What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I talk with artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to go and pre-save our next release. We have my band Run With It has a brand new song coming out September 20th. And all the pre-saves help it uh, with all the algorithms, getting on playlists, all that kind of stuff. You can go to runwithitband.net. Again, that's runwithitband.net or follow us anywhere at runwithitband as well. Find the pre-save and click on that. We're excited because this is a big next step for the band as this song got picked up by a label out of Nashville called Skyfall Music Group. And they're going to be releasing it through Sony Orchard. So it's a... It's a it's a big step for us. So again, make sure you check it out, runwithaband.net or at runwithaband. Go pre-save and get ready for some new tunes. On today's episode of the Live and Create podcast, we have Evan Maxson. Now, this is Evan's second appearance on the show. Evan Maxson is a professional chaos coordinator. By day, he oversees operations and technology for a nonprofit small business lender. And in his spare time, he's an aspiring entrepreneur that loves to talk about the mistakes he's made along the way. In today's episode, Evan and I decided uh, we're going to start doing like a semi-regular installments where we wrestle through the business side of my band Run With It's progression, all the things we're up to, him asking questions and challenging thoughts and goals and strategies. Uh, And today in this episode, we tackle the book called The Goal. Now, The Goal is a great business book that shows how to raise productivity and impact through the story of a manager saving his factory from being closed down. And in this episode, we work to apply the principles of the book to the music world. It's a it's a fun journey, and the concepts have been helping the band take our next steps and moving us forward all along the way. And just a, a side note as well, uh, in here, I talk a lot about the focus of, of uh, being an original band for Run With It. We want to write and record and release and hopefully blow up. Uh, a bunch of original music, and that's our passion. And in there, I talk about uh, doing cover stuff because we also do cover band uh, work as well. And I talk about it in the sense of how we don't want to get stuck there. And I I wanted to make a quick caveat with that and just saying I have a lot of friends who make a great living and they love being in cover bands or tribute bands, and I think that's amazing. It's, it's an incredible way uh, to make a living, incredible way to use your gifts and your crafts. I just know for me personally, I know I have this passion for writing original music, and so I don't I, I hope it's not read as disrespect to those who are out there doing that thing in the cover world and killing it. I have a tremendous respect for for all of y'all who are doing that. Uh, it's just coming based out of my own focus and run with its focus of making sure that we're writing and recording and focused on getting our original stuff out there. And I think I said the word focus like 15 times in there. So anyways, here's today's podcast. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. completes the whole you know studio setup i see there i think maybe the only i'm a real podcaster (laughs) yeah i mean you're just kind of missing the joe rogan headphones at this point like you got the same haircut like you're all good well i pretty much screwed myself for life on being able to use those joe rogan s uh headphones because i got i don't know yeah i got this after uh you were in town last so i got this industrial and across the top of my ear and I didn't even think about it. And like the next day I went into the studio to start working on something, went to put my cans on. I was like, well, son of a bitch, that that's never going to happen again. So I just, I use my in-ears that I perform in now. Um, and honestly, yeah. they, they sound better than my cans. So <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, probably. I don't know. You, the nicer in-ears are probably a lot more comfortable too, because they're custom molded. And, yeah. You know, better than, let's say, AirPods or something like that. Well, and unfortunately, mine aren't custom yet, but they are pretty damn comfortable. I, I'll step up to custom here soon. We'll step up. You it's should. All, you should. It's, it's all iterations. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You like that tie-in? We'll just jump right into the, the business stuff. It's all iterations, baby. Well, um, I mean, we never leave the business stuff, you and me, so it's all good. It's, that's true. <laughs> it's and, our and hobby. For the listener, like whenever we're hanging out, it's like that's that's where it goes. It's like we weave in personal and business and and all that. And yeah. so it's good to have you back on. Uh, and and I preface this. Hopefully, I won't be talking too fast. But I tried a new pre workout today, and it's like I'm still. I drank it at like four fifty this morning, 
and it's still like surging through my body. I had like black tea and I just gave it to Jenny. I was like, you need to drink this because I cannot drink more caffeine. My heart will explode. <laughs> yeah. My, my philosophy is if you're not jittery from the caffeine, you you still need more caffeine. Like, right. That's kind of self-regulation <laughs> right there. Yeah. And let's just say I'm pretty jittery at this point. I'm like, ah! <laughs> So this is going to be fun conversation. <laughs> yeah. I had to pour some, just some seltzer water. Maybe I should have made it like a truly or something to calm myself down, but you know, it's before noon and people will judge me. So <laughs> who cares? Who, who are these people? <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just call it brunch and it's good to go. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hey man, um, one, you know, so I want to talk about like the goal uh, the book that you reference on your last uh, podcast. I went through that book and like, three days or something. I couldn't stop reading it. Um, and then trying to apply the principles since then. Uh, but I wanted to check in with you. I know we had also talked about as you were building, uh, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Am I saying that right? So like yeah, an on- yeah. entrepreneur minded uh, person that's in a corporation, which is really cool that your company allows you to operate that way. Um, but then also you have this uh, entrepreneur piece to you uh, as you're you're doing like the fact finding of, of your business centered potentially around celiac disease. And I was just curious, like, uh, what's that looking like for you? What's that process been, uh, for you recently? Yeah, quite honestly, the, uh, the research into the celiac stuff has kind of been on, on pause, but just a lot of work and life stuff going on at the moment. Haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to kind of dig into, to that and, right. and go down that process. But at work, one of the things that we've started doing so as we transition out of so last year when we when the paycheck protection program lending ended we kind of took a breather for a couple months and just like okay let's let's regroup let's figure out how we're going to now process the forgiveness applications you know the ending the wrap up that part of it and kind of figure out what does small business lending look like going into the future and our organization also, even before the pandemic, had uh, aspirations to do 10x growth from what we did in 2019 from a lending standpoint. And so we didn't set that aside, right? Like we still have those goals for five, you know, five years from 2019. So by the end of 2024, to still do that level of, of uh, lending volume, both in, in right. terms of loans and in dollars, but maybe even nuance a little bit more because we want it to be specific to the our target markets, not just general. Like so, so we've got pretty ambitious lending objectives in front of us this year, next year, and the year after, and of course on into the future. Um, so we're we're in the midst of trying what feels very much like a startup phase of trying to figure out how do we go from what worked, you know, to do fifteen hundred loans a year to do 5,000 this year or over 5,000, right? Like, right. And yes, we did it with, we did way more than that with the paycheck protection program, but that was a very like defined application process requirements, um, eligibility requirements that we had to do. This is involves now more traditional underwriting and, you know, uh, various mixes uh, of, of types of loans. And so we've got a process that allows us to do a fully automated lending experience if certain conditions are met. And so we're in this um, rapid iteration process or period to try to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we improve our, our, our workflows? The, uh, even the, the lending re- requirements, underwriting requirements, um, what stuff can we further automate and logic to apply so that we can build a, a factory that can produce these loans, you know, the, the quantity right. of loans that we we're targeting for this year. Um, and so one of the things that we've kind of pivoted to, and, and this buy-in from, from the top down, is this idea of working in weekly iterations. So um, we've got on our proprietary, uh, on our development team, software development team, um, one of our members is wrapping up a, a master's degree in data science. And so she and one of our senior software engineers are, are pairing on this process to look at some data of the existing applications coming in and, and the processes and why they're getting stuck and why they're, you know, why they may be taking a little bit longer. 
and and then saying, hey, if we make this change, we think our hypothesis is it will have this impact. Right. And to to basically work in weekly iterations of data analysis, identify a, a potential change or state a hypothesis, implement it, come back, look at some new data, and have these cycles go, you know, mm-hmm. on and on. And so it's kind of interesting to see. We've already seen some um, improvement and throughput on that. That's also then helped our, our marketing side, like actually start targeting our ad spends better. And so it, it's kind of cool to see these tight iterations. A lot of the principles we we talk about starting to um, be part of the the fabric of how we operate, right. and then see the impact of of that on the you know on the throughput side of it on on the loans going through. So, but that's that's me. I'm you know I want to I don't want to cool. spend too much time talking about that because I am really <laughs> interested to hear your some of the insights takeaways from from the book how w- what that led changes that led you to make with the you know how you're operating the band and everything like that um, what you've learned what maybe didn't work that you've right. tried and I like I just I, I want to spend this time talking about that <laughs> well, I know I'm not the host <laughs> well and uh you know, it's interesting. Just that idea of iterations uh, is what really stuck out to me, I think, in the goal. And it's something you and I have talked about a lot. But I think that the way the book broke it down really helped me understand it in a deeper way. And even down to a point where, like, even in my own personal life, like just understanding iterations. Because I'm, mm. I, I don't know if it's remnants from OCD, but I'm always looking for the perfect calendar setup for myself with the perfect blocks of time that will perfectly guide me through my perfect day for the rest of my life. That's what I've always, like, I realized I was always chasing there. Like, and so I started asking the question, where is there? And, and, and then honestly, even mixing it in with, I'm on this journey of meditation and studying like Zen Buddhism. uh, And a lot of it is about like presence, like just being present in the moment. And so it all has converged to to change a lot of my actions, I think, my philosophies towards things, but also a lot of my actions and just being focused. Like I still want to have this this big goal in mind. Obviously, the book's called The Goal Too, which is helpful. <laughs> but realizing I almost get so lost in the goal and so lost in my thoughts that I become, well, what is it? Uh, there was a quote like in the Christian world, which was like, you become so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. And realizing, like, I become so 30,000-foot-minded, I'm of no day-to-day good because I'm just spinning my wheels. Um, So, yeah, the iterations piece and learning to be present with the exact task that's at hand and understanding that those tasks are going to change every every day. Like, even to where it's like I wake up, like yesterday I woke up, had a plan, and realized I had to adjust, you know, because of some family stuff that came in, but also realizing like, oh, there's this thing coming up Saturday that we need to be ready for as a band. And so I need to actually turn my focus there. But then in the iteration of that, also trying to plan, um, I'm, I'm saying a lot of like, again, I, I get stuck in the 30,000 feet, yeah. <laughs> but in, in those iterations, realizing that each one of those steps does help me out later and helps the process flow smoother and smoother. So, uh, for example, I want, I was working on really all of our initiatives all at once, all the time. When we started January, I, I went through like this band business. One sheet is what we have and has all of our goals and all of our, you know, all the milestones, all the right things you're supposed to put down on paper, I guess. And just realizing like, that's great, but you need to focus on one piece right now. And so for example, one of the biggest ones is our, our money now right? For, for a band cash, just like a business. Well, it is a business. Cash is oxygen. Cash is how you continue to move forward and those resources, you need them. So we had to ask the question, you know, what is our money now? Because we have these big goals for licensing, but there's no money now for that. Now that's where we definitely want to go because that's where the biggest return happens, right? And so that's where we can do 10 hours and get a hundred hours worth of work else, you know, <laughs> 10, we put 10 hours in and get like the equivalent of a hundred hours worth of, of results. Yeah. Um, and so I've been focused on 
like for us, the factory, when you think of it as a factory, the machine that I've been trying Mm -hmm. to work on, that's causing the, what's the, what's it called when it's like the machine stops the progress? Like once it hits that particular machine, it's like a bottleneck or a bottleneck, you know, like, yeah, yes, that's, that's what it was. So the bottleneck I was experiencing is the money now means we need to have like a full cover set. And for us, that means I need to track out all of our covers together because we're a heavily tracked band. We use we use cues and click track and all these things because honestly, down the road, I want to play arenas. And that's how a lot of arena bands do it because there's so many moving parts with pyro and LED screens and, you know, camera shots that you can't just like make that shit up as you go. <laughs> you know, um, it's not Grateful Dead. Um, again, 30,000 okay. feet. But so that's where we want to go. But that means first I have to get... I have to get all of our tracks done at this moment. Now I was also slaving over every track to get them absolutely hundred percent perfect as well and realizing it's going to be iterations. So I had to let go that of that. That does not surprise me about you. Right, right. <laughs> so I realized I was taking an, you know, hours on one track where I just needed to say like, I got one hour, do this, put it out. And then inevitably something's going to be wrong with it. So we'll come back and tweak it. But now it's just mm-hmm. tweaking as opposed to like revamping the whole damn thing. Um, so I put a lot of energy. I got our first two hours uh, set now, start to finish for for that. And uh, and we even experienced. So like I had those tracks ready, finally got them out the gate, realizing they weren't going to be perfect, realizing its iterations. And we performed Boulevardia this weekend, which went really, really well. Is our first big show back. It's great to play a huge festival here in Kansas City. Um received really well and then but what it did is that it was fun because i in the moment i got to experience performing but also mm-hmm. in the moment there's a whole bunch of shit going wrong <laughs> like i i realized our in-ears they work perfectly in uh in rehearsal but i during for some reason on stage they kept going <laughs> So like while we're performing, the crowd hears all of us playing and right. feedback was strong feedback of, uh, amongst a bunch of people. That was a great show. But inside, in our ears, we heard nothing but I was like, well, got to fix that. So it gave me freedom to walk off the stage and celebrate what it was. It's like, this is a great step for us. I'm glad the crowd connected with it. Now the next iteration is figure out how to fix those in-ears. You know. Yeah, it you know it's a, it's it's interesting because you're getting feedback from the in ears <laughs> in real time. That is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and and then after the fact, <laughs> you're getting feedback from from the audience, and and that you know to me when you talk about iterations and and you're trying to like if you're trying to track out the entire two hour performance or however long that performance is, uh, you know there's this there's this innate desire that people have of well if we just planned better, right? Like right. Well. Unfortunately, as humans, we're terrible at predicting the future. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and so we can't, there are too many inputs, too many variables for us to say that we can just plan better now for some point in the future and have everything go according to plan. And, and so it's like, well, we just need a starting point. We need something Absolutely. to start from and build onto. And so I love, I love hearing you talk about that. I, I wanted to, ask you about, so the goal talks about, you know, uses a factory, a a fictional factory in some town back East um, that manufactures product. And I'm I'm curious as you were reading that about a process that makes something so tangible, Mm -hmm. how did you, did that, how did you then think about the bands and, you know, you, you talked about kind of tracking out in a cover set um, and maybe that that performance is your your equivalent there. But uh, I'm curious to hear how you then started thinking about what you're doing and working on in terms of a manufacturing process. Yeah, well, and that's that's interesting because, like, for example, if we just go with those tracks again. And so for the audience, I build tracks for our cover set. And then I also build tracks for our original set, uh, which is our, our biggest focus. Excuse me. But so I started thinking of like that, the building those tracks, like when I'm in logic and building those things, like that's a machine. And so figuring out like, so each step I would learn. To clarify, that's a a machine on the broader factory floor. That's not the whole. 
Got exactly. It. Yeah, it's just one component on the factory floor that is a band, essentially. And so realizing, again, like we just need, we needed to, it was the bottleneck. So I needed to get better at, for me personally, in a sense, I'm the one executing, I'm the operator of that machine. So I needed to get more efficient <clears throat> at operating it, which honestly was really about just using it. It was like, because each step where I needed to do something, uh, like on a track, if I needed to tweak a certain cue or put a different effect and I didn't know how to do it, I had to learn that process. And so it was what like, about, go ahead. What about pulling somebody else in and, and making it so that you're not the only one that can do it? Did you, has that been part of your, your exploration or process? So that I, I'm glad you asked that because that's, so our drummer actually has a tech degree, music tech degree, which I found out like two years ago, he didn't even tell me. And so like for an entire week, cause we basically lived together and for an entire week, I'm running around trying to fix all these sound issues just nonstop. And he's with me. And then we're driving, we're driving one day and he goes, Hey, you know, I have a, a music tech degree. Right. And it, it's like that scene in dumb and dumber where they're in Aspen and they're freezing their ass off. And Jim Carrey's like, like, Hey, could I, like my hands are freezing. And he goes, Oh, here, I have a second pair of gloves. And he's like the whole time. And I just looked at Daniel. I was so mad. I was like, bro, you've seen me for like two weeks, losing my mind. So, so for example, the bottleneck there is currently he doesn't have his computer. Um, and he doesn't have a computer that can operate the machine. So we're yeah. in the problem solving place of how do we get you a computer? So, cause I even told him, I was like, there's things I did last week that if I would have just loaded all that up in Dropbox, he could have downloaded it at his house and probably done much better and much quicker at getting that done as well. Or as even like we have used your computer, right? Like if you right. guys were together or something like that, like just That's true. trying to think about the, the next level of constraint there. Cause you know, at one point not having those in place was the constraint or a, a constraint. And then you being the only one now we're constrained by your time to be able to do it and exactly. how good you are at it. And so wanting to then say, okay, well, is there somebody else that can also play into this? Well, one of the reasons that I'm, I'm really fascinated to think about uh, the golden concept or in the context of, of a band is because, you know, I think it is so tangible, again, going back to the concept of a factory and producing widgets that for a lot of businesses, especially service businesses, things that aren't, don't have a tangible product at the end of it, how do they relate those concepts to what they do and and you know lending is a little bit more abstract than producing a factory but at the end of the day we're, we're manufacturing loans um you know from a band there's probably a bunch of different things you could say you're manufacturing you know the songs for the licensing the performances right. probably a lot of different a couple of different ways to think about it maybe several different products that you, you know that, that come out of that process so I think the more like hearing from you talk about uh, how you are relating these concepts to from the book to the band and trans and like uh, aligning them, um, I think is going to help a lot of people that are listening go, oh, okay, that's how I can start thinking about this and uh, in terms in of my particular field. Yeah, 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 and so that's why I, you know the band. To me, I think a band is a pretty abstract very abstract feels feels very abstract from the concepts in the book but yet i don't think it is like it, it feels like it but i think that's kind of misleading um so I'm, I'm excited to hear that so well i think on that though i i think that's great insight because like for example you know jenny and i like been together for almost like 13 14 years at this point and she's like to this day when someone asks me what you do other than being able to say he's in a touring band, I really cannot articulate to them <laughs> what it is you do. Well, and, you drink uh, coffee and you drink wine. <laughs> right. I drink whiskey. I drink, it's a lot of drinking, all sorts of fluids. Um, but, you know, I think honestly, even as I'm talking out loud with you right now, that concept, like you don't understand something until you can explain it to a five-year-old. I'm realizing I still don't understand these concepts, even of what I do well enough yet. And I wonder if that's what gets in the way of a lot of bands. Like, can you articulate it? But you had said something about like, 
the processes and, and the, the product you're making. And I almost wonder if a band and maybe some of these more abstract businesses out there, it's more like you're not creating a widget. It's almost like a car factory where there's a mm-hmm. line that works on like the electronics and there's a line that works on this thing and there's a line that works on the other thing. So it's like all these widgets come together to create the product finally at the end of the day, which is for my example, which is a band. But the problem is, is you have multiple lines that kind of have to fire together because one, one of our pieces is the show. One of our pieces is the music. One of our pieces is just the overall brand, uh, which usually comes through like social media and how, like, and how all these pieces really have to fire. Like any band, a band, I'll, I'll use real world example. I actually have their, their shirt on right now making movies. It's a band from Kansas city but they have toured all over the world. They are blowing up. They've Latin, played the Latin Grammys, play stadiums overseas, like shit like that. But it's like, for them, it's like, I, I was just talking to them this weekend at Boulevardia and they were playing. Uh, Enrique is their, um, their lead singer. And it, we were just talking about the concept of them, like all the pieces are coming together. So it's like, they've been working for 12 years on these lines, getting all the little all the little bottlenecks out of the way, you know, I don't know if he'd use that language by any means, but finally it's like that Tesla's rolling off the line and people are like, shit, this is good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's cool to watch, but that is the complication of it where it's like, if we were just making bumpers, uh, maybe it's, it's easier. And maybe that, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I think when maybe a way to kind of simplify the goal for an enterprise, right? Because in the book, you don't get paid until you ship a, an order. Right. So the goal is to ship an order so you get paid. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of like process optimization that can be done in that, you know, the, the, the limiting throughput or not limiting throughput, limiting work in progress, uh, keeping inventory down so that you're you're making sure that what you start, you finish as quickly as possible. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's exercises about that, which really is another way of saying focus, right? Like focus on the most important thing. Um, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm curious then as you look at, uh, as you were thinking about your, your manufacturing process, um, how did you identify that the, the tracking out a, a cover set was the most critical thing for you to be working on? Your, your constraint. Well, so to, to go to 30,000 feet, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I did wrestle really hard with the idea of what is the goal, right? Because there's so many things you say, streams on Spotify, that's what we're going to do, you know, the um, a kick-ass show, whatever it is. But, and I'd love your feedback on if this is still too wide. But for me, I was yeah. like, at the end of the day, what we want to be, at least the goal is to be a profitable, internationally touring, original band. And so it's like all those words kind of slaved over in there and felt like they were all incredibly important for like that Tesla, if you will, the Tesla of the band mm-hmm. <laughs> rolling off the line. And profitable is, is one of the first words in there, to be a profitable, internationally touring, original band. Because you can be original band, not be profitable. You can even tour internationally and not be profitable. I know people who do that. (laughs) And uh, you're just going deeper and deeper into debt. You know, like there's a lot of ways to do a lot of those goals. But for me, I was like, I don't one, it's a personal thing. I don't ever want to be back to where I, I got myself uh, previously with the band seeing success, but not being able to continue because I ran out of oxygen. I ran out of uh, cash. So what does that look like? And so that's where like distilling down, it's like, we have our original stuff prepped and ready. We even have original songs ready to go for the fall. Um, But we also know like in this game right now, it means doing us, for example, this upcoming Saturday, we're getting paid very well to play a public gig to a wide demographic. And we're doing primarily covers, but it's a great place where, they're mm-hmm. open to it. So we're doing a mixture of originals. So it's almost like, it's like bringing them in with covers and then we feel very confident about our originals and, and we've tested that out too. And when we play originals, you know, people are connected just as well. So it's like, okay, so now we can do the, basically 
the the constraint of needing that cover set ready and being really solid became <laughs> like that first focus because it allowed us to accomplish all of those things in that goal. It like enables a lot more. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, the concept of the goal. And, and I think I think it's easy to conflate it with. So the the goal in the book, the goal is different than the the what like Simon Sinek's why statement. Like, why do we exist here? Right. Like, what what is our mission that we're trying to accomplish? Those are really two different things. But but it's, it, I feel it's really easy for people to go. Well, our goal is to be a profitable and internationally touring band, right? Like, right. In the book, the goal is generate cash, right. right. You'd sell a product for money. Like and that was my concern that with, with what I landed on as a goal still because it still felt it, – it, it's been a good guiding rail thus far, but it still feels a yeah. little well, squishy. Well, yeah. So, so I think, you know, on one hand, I love Simon Sinek, and I think everybody needs to start with why. <laughs> right. Know, why do you exist? And, and stuff kind of flows through. And, and then concepts like theory of constraints from the goal – help you do that better, help you like optimize you, your stuff. So, you know, I would, if I was just arbitrarily looking at the band and saying the, the goal and the concept of the book, the goal or a theory of constraints is to create a product, which is a song, uh, a show, you know, some other thing that generates revenue for the right. band from the theory of constraints. That is the goal. It's not, okay. it's, it could be streams on Spotify if you tie it directly to revenue from Spotify, which I know is mm -hmm. terrible for artists. Right. Yeah. Um, if that's, you know, if that's the way you do it, like go be a lawyer, like, right? do like something else. <laughs> but your, your branding that, you know, the brand you're trying to build on social media is not the goal. It enables, exactly. it should help enable you to book more shows. So it is a, a, it's one of those machines on your factory floor. It is not. Right the end goal that you're trying to, to get to. Um, so it, that's how I would like challenge you to kind of think about what mm, you're doing is the, the, the theory of constraints goal is to generate at do activities that generate income. And so then what is, what's mm. your greatest constraint on doing those activities or doing an activity mm. that generates the most amount of, of revenue for the band? You know, it sounds like clarity. So it sounds like, you, you know, you kind of identified one constraint and maybe hopefully it was your, your greatest constraint of the tracking uh, so that you could do these shows that enabled uh, mm -hmm. you to, to do more activities that then generate the, the revenue that you're here for. Well, what's interesting about that, th there, you just sparked several thoughts. Um, one on that constraint and the idea of bringing in other people. The the reality is our lead guitarist is like a Grammy nominated producer. So like, I mean, if there's someone who can navigate, you know, logic and all the, and pro tools, all that kind of stuff, he's the one. And it just, it excited me when in this conversation, because the reality is the newer stuff that he's produced, I don't really have to touch it much as far as like, so it's like from here on out, that process, it's like a lot of things I'm building are either the cover stuff, uh, mainly because he just does not have the bandwidth to do it because he produces a lot of other bands. <laughs> um, but also that cover stuff, once it's in place, once that machine gets like operational, like fully operational, um, it's only little tweaks down the road that we'll have to do. Like it'll, it will take it'll be more like maintenance at that point. Like every six months, let's make sure we're checking all the, you know, you know, oil and what needs to be oiled, that kind of shit. Um, and then what's exciting now thinking about it, processing out loud is that from this point on out, because of his involvement with our newer stuff, like that's pretty much his world, you know, it's like, and, and it's, and he's like 50 times faster and better at it than I, <laughs> and he educates me. Like he's a resource where it's like, I can call him like, Hey, how do you do this thing? He's like, Ooh, the, here's the fast keys to this thing, you know, whatever it is, uh, which is cool. Um, but thinking about the idea of, of the, of what's the word 
maybe taking the goal and making it more focused, like you said, is to create this experience that brings in revenue or this song that brings in revenue. So there was concerns for myself, right, of making it that because that was that was something that's kind of milling in my brain, especially because that book breaks it down that simply, which was refreshing. Um, so some of my concerns were, one, it just feels icky when you're in a band and you say you're doing that, right? But I can get over that pretty quick um, because I want to make money, you know? <laughs> well, um, and, and that's where I think pairing it with Simon Sinek start with why. Like, you know, there's, there's why do we exist? What, what do we believe? You know, right. and then the, the follow, second statement there is how. And everything we do, we here are our guardrails. Right? We're not, we're going to... Right. <laughs> we're a, this type of band. We're not going to switch to country. We're not going to switch to hip hop or whatever, because that's not. Yeah, Cause if I just want to make money, I would be playing country right now because you can make sure, a right? like, ton of money doing that. I have some friends in country right. bands that are killing it. <laughs> so, so you can still have these, these guardrails, the, these values that kind mm. of dictate, you know, they're, they're when you're bowling, you're not very good. You got those bumpers, right? They're, they're those right. bumpers that you put up at, you could bounce between it. As long as you're between those, you're okay. I, you know, and that frees, I think I'm always afraid of getting off of, and again, of course it's that 30,000 foot. Why I'm always afraid of like, like disconnecting from that because I've seen people do it. I've seen people who are like, like, Hey, we want to be original band, but we can make 10 to $15,000 a night playing just like wedding band stuff, which is great. Kudos to them. And it's a great living. Like, a lot of worse things you can do, but I know what happens is, uh, what, what's the quote where it's like, what are the two most addictive things, heroin and a monthly salary. Right. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, once you get that kind of steady money, you can get lost from your, your bigger why, you yeah. know? And well, you ahead. also talked about earlier that cash was oxygen. Mm -hmm. And, and so when you think about the goal being, what do we do to generate revenue for the band? That's it, it's not just because you're you're trying to. I mean, yeah, it, it, you do want to um, have a nice, comfortable living off of it, and, and maybe buy some Absolutely. Lamborghinis, Lambos for your, your uh, was it for your Jojo? Or, yeah, Jojo. <laughs> um, my eight-year-old wants a Lambo. <laughs> but but it's feedback, right? Like if you're just making music for your own self, and you have no concern about the people you're doing it for, and you're right. just literally doing it for you, great money is a, a bad feedback mechanism there, right? But right. if people are willing to exchange their money for your song, for your performance, for that experience, it's a Absolutely. feedback loop to you to say, we're on the right path. We're doing something right mm -hmm. in furthering the Simon Sinek why and our overall mission. It's not, so, so selling out can also be, how can we do this better for more people Exactly. And, you know, deliver this, this experience for them, uh, the well, value that the, we're here to provide. The Black Keys, I feel like studying their history really informed me because they toured and toured and toured. They did the romantic club night after night, eating ramen thing. And they got licensing opportunities and turned them down because they were afraid to be seen as, as uh, sellouts. And after their second like physical and mental breakdowns of touring the world over and over again, they finally said, you know what? Fuck it. We're taking a licensing deal. And then suddenly things popped off. And now when you hear them talk about it, they're like, yeah, like that was, you know, of course that's just how they thought at the time, but now how much better one, they're more effective. Like now they sell out arenas and they're reaching more people with their music, but they can also not like have mental breakdowns all the time mm -hmm. because their bodies just can't handle it. Um, but yeah, it's, a that idea even, so I'm, so my brain's like getting locked up. I'm getting so excited about these thoughts, but <laughs> I have like streaming layers of thoughts. What's interesting is my concern. That's why I wanted to put the original in there. Right. But again, I think you're right. I think I, I crafted yet a more concise why, as opposed to the actual, like how of it. And I think I can let that go because if I'm saying I'm going to create these experiences, create these songs with my crew that provide revenue, right? It, 
if that is the how, it continues to grow. Because one thing I've noticed, there becomes a ceiling. There's a ceiling for a lot of cover bands, right? And so it's like, in a sense, I'm thinking about like, there's bands that get paid $80,000 a night, $120,000 a night for shows. Now they have semi trucks and they have, all, you know, like there, there's a lot of overhead when you're getting to that point. But the reality is, is you can actually make even more with your original music long term. Mm -hmm. It's just getting there and back to it. You need that revenue to get there. And yesterday I, I made a deposit uh, from some of the stuff we're doing as a band. And I immediately pulled over and started paying everybody. And I was like seeing all these, what's funny is like, I kind of got excited by seeing all these red like things because I was like, that's, I personally, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to yeah. provide for these other people. It's not like I'm taking care of them. I mean, they're, they're earning it, but it's kind yeah. of a cool thing. And you can't do that unless you're actually creating that revenue. And I, I've even had a, a player that's doing some shows for us, like, when I'm talking about the money piece, he's just like, like his jaw dropped and it's not even like we're banking right now, but like his experience with music was just being broke all the time. And he's like, how much am I making on this show just for me playing? And it's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And in my mind, it's not even enough for the work they're putting in, but I mean, we're, we're where we're at, but again, the revenue gets you there. And so I, I like that. And I think you're right. I think I created a more concise why. <laughs> that might be a fun it, follow it, it on did. episode. Just talk about the band's why, and, you know, <laughs> in the context of, of Simon Sinek. So oh, I, I can talk case. about that for hours, of course. Uh, but, <laughs> I love to. But I, I like I, that to create an experience that provides revenue. And that language honestly feels better for me because again, I'm not against making money. I love it. I want these Versace sunglasses that I like. There's shit. I like bougie shit. <laughs> I am not a minimalist, but, um, but when it comes to the music, I get so sometimes ultra romantic about the original music. Well, I mean, it's, it's art, right? Like it, it's right. And I believe that there's an art to everything, but it is more widely recognized as art, which then has a, a longstanding track record of kind of feeling antagonistic or counter to like uh, the consumerism, materialism of, of money. And um, so, you know, there's conflicted history there, I think, just in general. So I, I, I see that. But I'm, I'm curious. Well, I was we just going to say on that note, I, I want to get to that one real quick, yeah. what, what you're about to jump into. But uh, your point on money being a really good feedback system, it's how we exchange value in our country, in our culture. It's just the pure facts of it. And the reality is, is when like Kevin Hart sells out an arena, it's, it's not because he's a sellout. It's because like he's created such a value that people are willing to drop several hundreds for tickets and pay for their babysitters and pay for, uh, you know, Uber downtown and pay or a hotel room or plane tickets. Like they're saying you have impact in my life, honestly, mm -hmm. even when we're talking about comedy, you know, it would, people wouldn't do that if it didn't have an impact on them. But, right. and what a great feedback mechanism that people are willing to do that shit. So yeah. anyways, to where you were going. Well, I, I just, because I, I know that we've only got a handful of minutes left here before uh, we need to jump off. But um, I'm curious, after we've talked down here for even less than an hour, um, what, what are you thinking? Are you going to try next with the, with the band in, in, in terms of continuing to identify and think about the process and as a, you know, for the band as a manufacturing floor? Right. identify where your greatest constraints are like what what's your next steps where what's the next thing you're gonna investigate or explore and try to exploit in, in the terms of the book well honestly thinking as machines so one machine is these tracks you know the cover set essentially and so once we get that baby running smooth uh, which i think is probably well it has to be by mid-july that was the other thing is just having hard deadlines like mm. hey guess what there's a fucking show saturday you got them done? Like, you know, like, are you ready? <laughs> and there's no like, oh, ran out of time. So it is what it is, you know, and then you tweak mm -hmm. and learn. Um, and that, so it'll hit about mid-July. The next machine is the licensing machine for us. Mm -hmm. And 
already took steps. Like we bought the machine, like it's in the factory floor. Um, in fact, it actually kicked out a product recently um, where we were part of a documentary uh, for yeah. cannabis and treat, treat me a PTSD, you know? So, so it, it did its thing, but man, it's, it's got a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of shit that it hasn't been, uh, put together. Um, and so, but we got the manual, like I got a course that I've already gone through, uh, that breaks down step by step. I have another person that's now kind of like in, like not in the camp of run with it, but adjacent to the camp that's making five figures a month right now doing licensing um and has built that over the last five years and he has incredible insight uh to that so we have like you know the master tech technician that we can bring in help us learn how to run the machine but even within that there's other little you know it's all the working parts and which is some of the back-end things of of how how you make sure everyone gets the right credits because now we're ideally talking about a lot more money. You want to make sure mm. up front everything's done really well or it can be a pain in the ass down the, down the road. And people won't use your music if all those things aren't in a row. But like I said, we already had kind of our test product that came out and it was a good lesson where I just went that course, I went back to the course, went step-by-step step through it and allowed me to be able to offer this, you know, new product from this, this machine. Uh, so that, and I have a feeling that's going to be, that's going to take a good chunk of time uh, because it's pretty involved. And there's also a lot of relationships involved that we have to um, cultivate uh, with music directors and those kind of things and publishing uh, like publishing houses, essentially um, that take in the music and work with them. But that, that so about, sets us up for other initiatives after that. So, so, so the thought that just came to my mind. So, um, when we think about these different things as machines on your factory floor mm -hmm. uh, in the book, they talk about knowing, you know, that curing machine, how many it can go in, how, you know, units mm. or components can go into that to be cured, how long it takes, right? Like, so that becomes very quantifiable right. the throughput through that machine, which allows in that context, allows you to try to figure out, is it in the right process step of the manufacturing process? Mm. Uh, it, everything else then needs to be optimized so that you're not creating a backlog of stuff through it. Yeah. But the only things that go into that are, you know, not you know, like they were putting in de defective products. Like, well, we already, we're doing the QA on the back end. It's like, well, why aren't we finding the defects beforehand so that we're not, yeah. we're not wasting time or, you know, throughput on defective products that we could identify earlier. So I, I'm curious if you've given much thought to trying to quantify the the throughput or the capacity of each of these machines and be able to monitor that in a way that lets you then um, objectively identify which part of the process is constraining you mm. or which so, part of your manufacturing process. That's interesting um, that you, you bring that up because so for example, and for the listener in the book, they have these machines that just have like product stockpiling in front of it and can't even like move through the machine. Um, and so right now we have two large products just sitting in front of that machine uh, that we keep pushing back the date because the machine is not fucking ready yet. <laughs> but again, now we're, we're getting more hard dates where it's like, okay, we know at least fall, we got to have this, this ball rolling. The reason is, is because the next test run for us is 2023. What we're talking about is releasing at least one new song every single month. And I believe by I and that may not even be the right like frequency but at least for the time being what that will I think begin to identify is the machine of actual uh creating the the, the music right the writing recording process uh I think it's going to identify where our bottlenecks are there you know what how can we get faster at that how can we get more efficient at that um, and so we're, we're testing in a sense, we've been testing that machine a little bit here and there, uh, together as we work together and starting to, uh, like vocalize like, oh, this is where, you know, Hey Miguel, this is where you're slowing us down from a lyrical perspective. And like, Hey, this is where you're slowing us down on this mixing thing or, you know, all those kind of things. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be our test run. So ideally that, that machine's up and fully running the licensing machine, uh, come, come uh, end of the year, 2020 of 2022. 
so that we can start pushing the product through <laughs> 2023. And then I, again, I think what it's going to do is open our eyes like, oh, we could do one every week or, mm-hmm. or maybe we should just do one every other month because now the product is not as good as it's coming. Who knows like where that's going to go. But I'm, I'm honestly excited about that now, especially with a mindset of iterations. Like, like if we know we got to put one out at the end of every month, like we're, we're going to do our best. Hold on. My phone's reading, ringing there and mm-hmm. Mac, you know, puts everything together, but we're, we're going to put our absolute best into it, but then, okay, you got to get it out. And then what did we learn? And then the next one and the next one. And, and honestly, I've, it's by observation from other people who are being really successful. Even this guy, Josh Williams, who's making five figures now a month, uh, doing licensing his first two years, he wrote 200 tracks and that's, that was his baseline. Right. So now, but it's informed him. So now he doesn't have to do as much and can be more concise and make more from that, from that time. And he's still doing something creative that he loves and he believes in. Uh, even down to Josh Gleave, um, I think I've mentioned him to you before. He's another guest on the podcast. He shared this story on the podcast as well, and where he writes for a major country artist, Chris Young. And it's like, my first year, I wrote 200 songs. The next year, I wrote 170. This year, I'll probably write 79 to 80. But each song is getting better now. Yeah. Like, he knows he, he's that machine has gotten more efficient, and and they're all very, like, like he sends me some of his tracks, you know, that haven't like been worked out as like the demos basically. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that's good. It's like, I'm, I'm getting all teary eyed. It's a country like, song. That's my finished product. Yeah. It's my first Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm excited about it because I think that process is going to continue to form us. Just like I went through a season of, you know, two songs a day for three months. Um, mm-hmm. And that informed me, I actually don't feel the need to ever do that kind of season again. Um, do I need to work? Yes, absolutely. But now I think I'm learning newer things on top of that. So I don't know if that answers the question fully, but, but yeah. Some, yeah. It's it's interesting to think about like the, the two machines you're trying to get launched, right. Or the the product through, through some machines that aren't ready for, for them to flow through. Um, yeah, because, you know, one of the things that the book would ta- tell you is that as that stuff stacks up, like that becomes inventory and inventory is known as waste, right? Because it, you can't sell inventory until it's a finished product. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you want to have as little work in progress as possible. Um, right. Because that, that allows more to get through to being a finished product. Um, it, it's, I think it's interesting to think about trying to mass produce something but then to also realize that you need to sell one. So I've got a, a friend <laughs> that owns a uh, breakfast taco plate. Breakfast tacos are huge in San Antonio. Wait, is that the one we went to when we were there? Maybe. I, don't, I, I forget it, which It's one like we some to. small like hole-in-the-wall spot, about 15-minute drive, 20-minute drive. Yeah, yeah, I think but so. Hella good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, uh, and, you know, I was talking with him, and he's like, I, I don't get paid for a bunch of tortillas. I get paid to hand somebody a breakfast taco, you know, that's mm. got like all the ingredients in it. He's like, yeah. so <laughs> I need to think about how do I minimize the tortilla? I don't, I can't pre-make all my tortillas in the morning and have a stack of tortillas. I don't know how many I'm going to sell in the day. Right. Like I do, they do have to do some food prep and stuff like that, but the, they don't pre-make the, tor- the tacos. They make them when they're ordered. And so how mm. do I make an order's worth of tacos as quickly as I can from the time that you pay for it, that you get them in hand. Cause that's, yes. that's how I, how I make money. Um, and so, you know, but he, uh, you know, you do that fast enough and enough times and it looks like you're mass producing breakfast tacos, right? but you, you got to be really good at the one you got the, the fundamentals have to be really solid um, for that to pan out and, and be, you know, then at the end of the day, a profitable enterprise that lets you come back and do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and that's one reason I, I, I let go. I think after reading that book too, of every day I need to write this many hours and every day I need to practice this many, like all that kind of concept because I wanted the perfect schedule. Because what I realized is this, you know, this hard drive right here for the listener, I'm holding up a small little, 
um, hard drive, it has got a bunch of tracks on it that essentially are products sitting in front of that machine that have nowhere to go. And so if I were to write 20 more songs right now, they have nowhere to go. And, and then also I think the other problem is it's like I can make sunglasses, right? And sell them at a gas station for $15 or I can make sunglasses, slap Versace on it and sell them for $300, $400, right? And that's yeah. the other, other piece of like the, the kind of output. I don't know. Or I, I, again, I'm blanking. I need to refresh the book as far as language goes, but realizing right now I don't even need a license mach- licensing machine, right? I could kick the product out of the factory without that machine, but mm-hmm. it will only yield me the results that I've always got. And it'll only yield me the results that so many bands. Got. Once you kick it out of the factory and your licensing machine becomes ready in six months, right? can you put those back through the Absolutely. licensing machine? And that is one. So that is one piece where um, like that, that back end piece of our previously, previously released stuff um, is already kind of coming together. And that's like, I need a light was the one that's in that documentary, uh, yeah. which we released, you know, several years ago. So yeah, there yeah. in that, in that regard, yes. But I'm realizing pausing writing for myself right now, uh, would only pile up more, more product in front of that, uh, more inventory where mm-hmm. more tortillas that are just going to rot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, luckily in my case, they won't rot. They're still there digitally, but I was like, oh, if I get this now, it's essentially potentially slapping Versace on the side of all these songs, and now they can yield us and then open up so many other opportunities, and maybe we can buy new machines and put them in the factory, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love it. So, no, it's really good, man. I, I think at the end of the day, um, and I was concerned, I'm glad we had this convo now, because I was concerned that I was off on the goal in the sense of, I wasn't quite fully getting it. Like I had that sense, but it, it, like I said, it helped guide us at the moment. But the idea of creating experience or creating song that brings in revenue is huge. Cause I want yeah. more of that. I want, I want more of being able to pay people what their time is actually worth and, and to be able to keep going and accomplish the shit that's, that we really, the why accomplish the why. Yeah. Yeah. The Simon Sinek why. Solving the problem that people have and, and doing it in a way uh, with a validated approach. And the only way you know it's validated is that people are willing to actually pay money. Right. You know, it's not, the, it's not the people that say, yeah, I'd come to your show and then don't show when you actually have a show. You know, it's exactly. the, oh no. Oh, you're having a show. How do I buy tickets? How do I, how do I get in? You know, how do I attend? And that's, yeah, uh, yeah, it's really kind of that, that feedback where you're validating we're on the right path here. We're, we're doing something that's resonating with the people we're here to, to do this for. Um, I love it. Any last thoughts before you have to jump off? Just that I'm really looking forward to the next part, the next conversation on this and see, yeah. you know, as, as you go forward from here, like what are the, the, next thing you try and what are the results and how you're kind of measuring and tracking all of that. I'm, I'm just, I continue to be fascinated by some of these very businessy concepts um, that might seem very uh, specific to producing widgets <laughs> and how, how do they get applied to successfully uh, you know, an enterprise that feels generally a lot more, intangible or you know people would maybe even call it luck driven right like but there's right. just clearly a lot of hard work and processes that go into getting bands to go from being a jam band in a garage to the rolling stones right like that's not right. that doesn't happen by chance no it does not <laughs> so in the in the rock star romantic story is that it does and it just right. it really does not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, it's a really interesting use case or, you know, a uh, scenario to, to kind of think through, because if it could be, if these could be applied in that scenario, I would challenge somebody to identify some other um, capitalistic in, enterprise or initiative endeavor that, that they can't be applied to. Mm-hmm. 
So. Yeah. Well, it's huge. Well, thank you, man. And I know thank you, you. you got to pop off and make, make a company run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Talk to you later. Thanks, Miguel. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.